I have something to share, uh, praise God, from the Word. And so if you would, let's quickly turn over in our Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And I wanted to make some comment. I don't have time to do a full sermon or teaching tonight. Uh, but to point out some things to us about why many, not all, but why many, and when I say many, I'm referring specifically to Christians, God's children, why many remain sick. I didn't even say are sick. You know, there's a mean devil out there. We live in a fallen and cursed world. And because of that, we're going to encounter all of the, the different things out there. But we are to live free from that, free from sickness and disease. I don't have time to teach that, but healing for our body belongs to us. Amen. Amen. And I just believe especially that there's somebody here tonight that God wants to heal. Amen. If you don't think you're that specific one, but you wonder, just be the specific one. I mean, God wants everybody to be well. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says Christ has redeemed us. It didn't say He's going to. It said He already has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. That's how He redeemed us. By taking our place, that divine exchange we were singing about, He became, He was made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. Now why did He do it? Well, verse 14 tells us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You could sum that up uh, very rightly by saying He redeemed us from the curse so we wouldn't have to experience the curse, but instead the blessing. The blessing of Abraham. Now we don't have time tonight. I would like you to go to the right to Ephesians chapter 4. But if you wonder what the curse of the law is, notice He did not say the curse of sin. It would be included, right? But sin is actually the act that brought the curse, that invoked the curse upon humanity. He specifically said He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, the best chapter to go find out what the curse of the law is is Deuteronomy chapter 28. You can see the blessings for keeping the law in the first 13 verses or so. Then beginning in about verse 14 all the way down through about 64 verses, uh, plus or minus you'll see all the curses for breaking the law. And if you were to categorize all those curses for breaking God's command, breaking God's law, not meeting God's standard, you could break them down into three simple categories. Spiritual death, which is separation from God, not having standing with God. Number two, sickness, disease, tragedy. And number three would be poverty and lack. So when it says Christ has redeemed us, come on, this is good news. Christ has redeemed us. What has He redeemed us from? Being separated from God. You know what that means? We'll never be separated from God again. We'll never be separated from God again. Amen. Paul said, I'm persuaded that neither this nor that, nor that nor this, you know, could separate us. Come on. From the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. But it also means that we are redeemed from sickness, disease, pain, brokenness in the body tragedies and accidents. A lot of the church world hadn't come to that light yet, but it's biblical. It's right there. All you have to do is go read it. And thank God we're redeemed from poverty and from lack 
unto the blessing. Now, so when you look across the landscape of uh, any group of Christians, no matter how big or small, you'll see that though we are redeemed, it says so, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. And we are redeemed from sickness. Many Christians are sick. Now there are two primary reasons or areas where we would need to look for the causes. It's never God. We never need to look to God to find out why on His side He's brought this into my life because He didn't. Never has. Never does. Amen. God made one man sick. And He made His man Jesus sick with our sickness on the cross. That's the one man that He made sick according to the Bible. What about Job? If you read Job chapter 1, it'll tell you clearly Satan did that. Satan did that. But anyway, what I want to get to, and I have to be concise here, give you the cliff notes, is, you know, uh, one reason why many Christians are sick at all is because they haven't been taught that healing belongs to them. And you can't have faith for something you don't even know is available. So people had not had the teaching. So they can't have faith for it. Faith comes by hearing. So we have to hear. If you want to have faith for something, you've got to have you have to hear it. That's why you need a preacher who knows something about that. And, uh, but what God specifically wanted me to address tonight is, the, we're not talking necessarily about the faith side of it. I'm talking about someone, and I'm going to read you something God spoke to me this afternoon. But I'm talking about someone who knows healing belongs to them. And they know how faith comes. And they're feeding on the scriptures. They're quoting the promises. They have taken their stand against the devil. They are quoting the scriptures and they're still not well. Sickness persists in the body. God spoke to me. I wasn't expecting it, but I sat down in my chair and he immediately, these words bubbled up out of my heart. I typed them down as they came. Listen to this real quick. I just believe this was from the Spirit of God in my heart speaking. The persistent presence of sickness in the life of a believer who knows how to stand their ground and walk by faith, who knows they are redeemed from sickness and is feeding their faith, exercising their faith, but gets no better, is an indication that they have opened the door to the devil in some way. Instruct those like this to find out where the door is and get it shut. For they will not be healed until they do. Many have been prayed for by leading ministers used of God mightily in the healing ministry and are still sick. The reason is either number one, it's a faith issue. Or number two, it's an open door issue. God said, I have sent my Holy Spirit as your helper and guide. Look to Him and He will guide you into all the truth. For He longs to bring you into the experience of your redemption, including healing. Now you just judge that and and see if that bears witness with your spirit. Ephesians 4, 27. Paul makes this statement. Many of you know it, but many of you have not seen it really in this light. We want to point something out here to you. Ephesians 4, 27. The Bible says, Paul said, Neither give place to the devil. Isn't that interesting? You see, why? If we are redeemed from the curse of the law, and we are, then 
if we're sick as Christians, it's not because we're not sick for the same reason Christians or unbelievers are sick. Unbelievers are sick because they have no covenant. They are not redeemed. Their redemption's been paid for, but they haven't entered into it yet. They're on the outside. They have no covenant with God. They have no standing with God. So they're subject to death. They're subject to the curse. They're subject to sickness, disease, and tragedy. But we are not. We do have a covenant. We are redeemed. We are blood-bought. We are joint heirs with Christ. So if sickness persists in our lives, it has to be for a different reason than the sinner. We're not sick because something's going around. And remember, I'm addressing someone uh, in this situation where people know what belongs to them in this area. And they're doing something with their faith, but they're not getting anywhere. Things aren't changing. Now listen, I, God is having me emphasize this, not to put anybody down, not to beat anybody up, not to put anybody in condemnation, not to put anybody in bondage. God is trying, and I'm trying to help us, not hurt us. No condo bondo. I want you well. I want you to receive the manifestation of your healing. And if you're, if you're on it with your faith and you're meditating in the Word and you are declaring and you're binding and you're loosing and you're standing and you're praising and your body is not changing, then, sweetheart, God is pointing out that you need to look at Ephesians 4.27. This is why. Why would the curse show up, the curse of sickness show up and not leave when you're Swinging the sword of the Spirit at it. Yeah, come on. You're using the name of Jesus on it. You're doing everything you know to do. There's a reason why, and God's not the reason. The reason is Ephesians 4.27. Neither give place to the devil. Now, who's he writing to? He's not, and he's not just writing to the average Christian, right? He is writing to born again, obviously, but they are spirit-filled, tongue-talking, I mean, uh, develop Timothy, we're just talking about him, is the pastor here. Paul's the spiritual father. I mean, this is a rocking church. They've been taught some things. Notice, the devil didn't take a place. Do you know, as a born-again believer, the devil can't just take a place in your body? He can't take your health just because he wants to? See, if he could, he would have done it already. We'd all be dead. Because he's a killer. He's the one, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But he, he doesn't have that right. Notice, it's not that the devil took a place in us. We gave him one. That's a sober thought. We gave him one. So if the devil, who does nothing but steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10, the thief comes only but for to steal, kill, and destroy. If you, if you and I give him a place, what's he going to do? Steal, kill, destroy. And this verse says we can give him a place. The great news about that is, Sister Joy, if I gave the devil a place, I can take it back. I can take that place. I can say no more. You can't have that place. And that's what God wants us to do. Be humble enough to say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in faith. I'm in faith. But my faith is not working. My faith isn't producing the fruit. 
If that's you, just be humble. Don't, no condo, bondo, right? Don't, no, don't, but just turn to the other cause. Turn to the other side of the coin. That's the only other thing it could be. If you're really in faith and you're staying in faith, but your body's not changing, you've got an open door somewhere to the devil. Doesn't mean you're evil. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Didn't mean you lost your righteousness. It didn't mean you need to bloody up your knees in penance in the altar. You just need to figure this thing out. You've opened up a door to the dead. No, I believe God is endeavoring to teach me something. You didn't get that thing from the Bible. You got that from religious tradition and preachers who don't know nothing. But the Bible does not teach that. Just real quick, you know, uh, Ephesians 4.27 says, Nor give place to the devil. The God's Word translation says, Don't give the devil any opportunity to work. Now, why is he saying that? Because it's possible, believer, for you to give the devil an opportunity to work a work of sickness and disease in your body. And he, Paul, how plain could he be? Don't give the devil an opportunity to work. Yeah, the Amplified says, don't give the devil a foothold. A foothold. Think about that. A foothold describes to me an established position. He didn't just come in and visit, but he's come in to your life and he's he's established a a bulkhead, if you will, a basehead, a beachhead, a a, a place where he's now, he's in your life, he's in your business, he's in your body, he's taking your health. He's not there to bless you either. He steals, he kills, he destroys. And when that comes to applying to your health, that's what he does. He wants to steal your health, kill your health, destroy your health. Are y'all with me? Amen. We just have to shine the light on this. Write this scripture down. I don't have time to take you there, but it's familiar again to a lot of us. In 1 Corinthians 11, 30 and 31, the Bible says, For this reason, everyone say, For this reason. For this reason, it goes on and says, many are weak and sickly and many sleep, which means to die premature. Now, what is the reason? What is the cause? Well, it wasn't because of God's sovereign choice. It's because they didn't discern properly the Lord's body. That there's healing in the bread. Yeah, I'm telling you. Amen. And so with just a minute or two, man, we got a fur piece there. That's pretty good in 11 minutes. So are you all with me or did I lose anybody? We have a right to healing. We are redeemed. If I'm not enjoying the redemption that has been bought and paid for me in the healing of my body, and I am standing in faith against him, and nothing's changing over a period of time, nothing's changing, then what do I know? I know that I've opened, I know that for this reason, for this cause, that there's a door open. The way you're going to get healed in this, here's what people don't get. They're so naturally minded that all they think is the natural. And all they think when something happens, all they think is doctor, all they think is medicine, all they think is what vitamin am I deficient in. And I tell you, a vitamin C deficiency will not cure the open door of unforgiveness. 
You can chew vitamin C gummies until you are sick to your stomach. And a and a you know a an unforgiveness open door. Someone that's bitter, someone that's angry, someone that's unforgiven, someone that's harboring ill will in their heart. That's not going to show up on a blood test. That's not going to show up on a CAT scan or an MRI. But in the spirit, that's the issue. That's the thing. Amen. And so the Lord seemed to this afternoon. Uh, urged me to specifically talk uh, about one major area of open door and access that Christians give for the devil to get in and make, and you know, they, they rob them of their health. And that is failing to walk in love. Failing to walk in love. And I, I just am, I'm convinced, just in my experience with the Christians that I'm around, uh, good people, but that we don't appreciate like we need to how serious God is yeah. about keeping the love commandment. Yeah. You see, I don't know where we got it, but somehow over into the body of Christ, the modern church, we've got this attitude that because Jesus went to the cross, we can do whatever we want. And yeah, maybe we can just practice 1 John 1, 9 every now and then, you know, ask God to forgive us or whatever, but grace covers it. We act like because of scriptures that Jesus fulfilled the law that we don't have a law. And that's not true. I said, that's not true. The Bible does say emphatically, right, that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus said that he came to not destroy but fulfill the law, but what's he talking about? The law. He's talking about the law of Moses. Amen. The entire Old Testament covenant from Moses to Christ, from Moses to Good Friday, the law, the Torah, the commandments, the Levitical system, the animal sacrifice system, the temple worship system. Amen. That law, we are not under that law. We're not under that law. We're not under the law of the Ten Commandments. No, we're not. That's part of the law of the Old Covenant. But here's what people, they translate that meaning to meaning, I don't have any law. I am without law. And brother and sister, that's not so. We are in a new covenant that's got law. It's just got one. It's got one law and one subheading. Right? Article 1, subheading 1, end of story. Jesus said in John 13, around verse 34, a new commandment. He didn't say a new suggestion. He didn't say a new license. Right? He said a new commandment. A new commandment. Everyone say commandment. A new commandment I give unto you. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. And so all men will know that you are my disciples indeed, that you have love one for another. When the rich young ruler came, right, and they, people asked him questions, what is, the greatest, what is the greatest commandment of the Old Testament? Jesus rightly interpreted and said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And the second, the subheading is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Christians today are not lawless. 
we have a law we are to keep. And if we break that law, we have opened the door for the devil. We have put ourselves in a place where the, uh, God cannot do for us what He wants to do. You see, under the Old Covenant, healing belonged to them under the Old Covenant. I'm trying to condense this, but if you write the reference down, write uh, Exodus 15, 26 down, and then Exodus 23, 26. It says in both of those scriptures something to the effect of that if you will serve the Lord your God and obey His voice and keep His commandments, I will bless your bread and water. I will bless your food and your water and I will take sickness out of your midst. And I will cause you to fulfill the number of your days. But notice that healing promise, that divine health promise is conditioned to what? Obeying the command. In Exodus 23, it's, it's very similar. If you obey the Lord, hear His voice, that He will not allow, He will not allow the evil diseases of Egypt to come upon you. For He is the Lord that healeth us. He's Jehovah Rapha. But again, it's conditioned specifically on their obeying the commandments. So if they walked in obedience to that covenant, they walked in divine health. They walked in freedom from sickness and disease. And when they missed it, God set the Levitical system in place where they could take an animal and go to the temple and make a sacrifice so that their sin could be atoned for so that they could what? Shut the door. Under that covenant, they had to go through the Levitical priesthood confession system and sacrifice system. That was what was required to get the door shut. Once they got the door shut, they could go back and enjoy the blessings of the covenant. It is, we're serving the exact same God today. We are serving the exact same God today. Healing belongs to us. It's the children's bread. You don't have to be sick, but you've got to know you are not lawless as a Christian. We're just not under that law. It's just real simple. Our law is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul. And if you don't love God the way you ought to love God, you're going to be sick. Preaching good. If you don't love God so much so that you want to be around God's people, you want to advance His cause, you want to live right, you want to stop lying, you want to stop cheating, you want to stop sleeping around. Because you love God and you want to be like God and you want to please God. Then you're going to be sick. And your faith isn't going to work. But then it's equally true that God expects you to extend that love to everyone else. Sin, sinner and saved. And it's just appalling. This, we need to pay attention to this. People are sick. And they're endeavoring to use their faith. Because we've taught them faith. And faith is right. Faith is how you get there. But they're not getting any better. They're not getting any better. Now I do want you to go here. Are you all with me or am I going too fast? I'm feeling the pressure of the clock. I'm sorry. Galatians chapter 5. You've got a few minutes, don't you? I mean, you may, you got look so good and came out. Might as well get what you need to get. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul again writing says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision... Rex, what's that mean? Circumcision, what's he referring to? The Jews, that's exactly right. Don't be shy, you got the right answer. For in Jesus, he asked me that the other day privately. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. Rec, who the uncircumcision referring to? Gentiles, very good. But faith 
which works by love. Notice that. Jew doesn't count in this new covenant. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew. Doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. You can all come into this covenant. Come all come into God's family. And it's a faith covenant. That's how you access your blessings. But faith works by love. Now the Amplified says that faith works. It is energized and made operative by and through love. What's I tell you? You have faith. You have faith. But your faith isn't energized. Your faith hasn't gone into operation when you're not walking in love. You know what's frustrating? Having a car and you can't find the key. You can't find that key. You can't find that key fob anywhere. And I mean, the car's got gas and the car's got the engine. I mean, the car's new. The car's raring to go. That's like having faith. I've got faith. I've got mountain moving faith. I've got raise the dead faith. I've got kill cancer faith. I've got the very faith of God on the inside of me, but I lost my key fob because I got mad at my wife, you know, or whatever. You, you can't find the key because you're not walking in love. I mean, it's like having a car. You're ready to go. You're ready to go somewhere. You've got something to do, but the starter's broke. The car's not energized. The car won't kick on. You can't, you got the car, but you can't go anywhere. You've got faith, but you can't get to healing. You got faith, but you can't get to protection. You have faith, but you can't get to prosperity. Why? Why? It could be you got a door open because you're fussing and you're complaining and you're, you're not treating your fellow man right. You're not treating your family right. You're not treating your pastor right. You're not treating your boss right. The way you talk, the way you act, you're not walking in love, you're tearing up your home, you're being disrespectful and rebellious to your parents, but bless God, you are binding the devil. That ain't going to work. That's not going to work. Faith works by love, beloved. It works by love. It works by love. And it seems to me that there's at least one person here. You have been standing... In faith for some time, but even as I'm talking, the, word, uh, the Holy Ghost would confirm to you that you are bitter towards someone, and you have been for a long time. And I don't know who that is, but I'm just saying by the Holy Ghost, I got this, I believe, is a word of knowledge in my prayer time today, that if you will make a decision to let it go, to forgive, to rid your heart of all ill will toward everyone, toward that one. But you won't have to have hands laid on you. Your faith, your faith engine will, and it will do what faith is designed to do. And God's not mad, but he longs for tonight to be your night. Where you could be well. See, if we gave, if I gave the devil a place to work a work in my life, then the only way I'm going to get God to work His work in my life is to shut the door. To take that place from the devil and to shut the door. 
And there are people that will hear this message that should repent earnestly to their spouse. They are not, you know, I, I get people, I'm not going to, I'm not naming nothing like that, but I get people periodically say, Pastor, pray for me. Husbands, I'm thinking about some husbands, pray for me. Well, I certainly will try. But inside me, I, I know a little bit about what you're like in your home. And I'm not going to waste too much time on my prayer because whatever time I do pray, it's likely to go on. It's not going to work because you're, you're not treating your mate right. You're not sweet. You're not loving. You're selfish. You're moody. You're mean. You don't communicate. That's going to cost us eventually. And I just don't want you to think that you can be a big faith man and, and that go on. Your faith's not going to work. And see, here's why a lot of faith people, they get frustrated with the faith message because they ask me to pray for them. I'm praying for them, but I don't know what's going on with you behind the scenes. And then you'll say, well, this faith stuff doesn't work. Oh, it would work if you would walk in love. It would work. And it's not just sickness. If, if, if you live in chronic financial stretch mode, there's a lot of reasons for that. You could be a bad steward of finances. You know, there'd be, you could be lazy. You could, you, could, you could have just, you know, gone through a hard time. Satan might have attacked your finances. That doesn't mean anything, but it could be, you know. Amen. I, I remember that, uh, I don't have time to tell that whole story, but I was praying about, I was trying to get God to talk to me about church finances because we were doing okay as a church, but I knew we could be doing better than we were. So I said, I'm going to give some extra time in the morning and talk to God about that. Well, I would bring it up, and the, he would immediately go, I'd like to talk to you about your marriage. And I said, well, Father, listen, I appreciate you, but I called this meeting. <laughs> and the agenda, the agenda on this meeting is to talk about church finances. And he wasn't having it. And he just went dead silent on me. So I said, well, I'll go to work. And and the next I said, well, I'm going to stay after it. And so I, I called a meeting with the Lord in my prayer time. said, Father, I'd like you to talk to me about uh, church finance. He said, I'd like to talk to you about your marriage. And here we go again. Well, the third day, I'm getting frustrated by this. And I, here's my, my quick mind thought. You know, I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and let him talk to me about what he wants to talk about so that maybe after that we can get to the real issue. Because I didn't think I had a marriage issue. Because I know I'm just Mr. It, husband, wife. You know, I, what issue could there be, right? Right? Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 you better. Did you learn something, son, about how that goes? We, husband, we got to stick together. Okay. And I said, okay, Father, go ahead. And he dealt with me about two things, about an attitude that I had had, and I no need to get on that, it's just personal matters, but whatever, and I said, well, okay, uh, uh, fine, uh, I'm leaving early, in fact, that morning I was leaving to Nashville to go to be in a meeting with my man of God, Dr. Ed Dufresne, Nashville, and I wasn't going to wake her up, I said, Father, I give you my word, first chance I get after the morning meeting, I will call her on the phone, I repent to you right now, but I will repent to her on the phone. Fine. And that was it. So I got in the car, went to Nashville, went to the meeting. There's 
Three times as many people been in this room in that meeting that morning. They gave the service to Dr. Dufresne. I'm maybe just a couple of years in my connection with him, so I didn't know him as well at that moment than I did later. And he kind of stumbled around, you know, how kind of the prophet does sometimes. And he said, uh, Pastor Chris Cody, are you out there? I went, oh, man. I, I said, Father, I repented. I repented. Oh, call me out. I said, yes, sir. He said, I saw you. I saw you today in my hotel room make a decision. And because of the decision you made today, he said, I saw you in my hotel room. You know prophets could see you in their prayer time if God wanted them to. He said, because, and I hadn't told a soul, I hadn't had a chance to tell a soul, I hadn't even had a chance to repent to her yet. The word of the Lord came to me and said, God said to tell you that there's a new season coming to your ministry and a new flow of finances that you have never had come before. He just nailed it. But you know, in that prayer time where God was confronting me, I, I forgot to tell you, he, uh, he told me, I want you to go read 1 Peter 3, 7. You don't have to turn there, but in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands are to honor their wives as the weaker vessel, just meaning typically physically, not all the time, but most of the time the guys could, you know, pick up a heavier something than the lady maybe. Honor her as the weaker vessel. I go to the gym and sometimes that's not true. I see some girls, I'm like, wow. I said, I'm the weaker vessel over here. <laughs> But then he said, honor her as the weaker vessel and as an equal partaker of the grace that's on your life for ministry. And then I saw it, that your prayers be not hindered. See, my father was talking to me about church finances. I just wasn't connecting the dots between this being the cause, my attitude in my marriage, hindering my prayer for church finances and the church finances. But the Holy Ghost knew. See, I said the Holy Ghost knew. And whatever your issue is, the Holy Ghost knows. And you may, you know, don't, don't be beating up on yourself over this thing. But just be humble and smart enough to know that if I've been standing my ground for my healing... And I really have been in faith. And I do believe I received my healing and I'm endeavoring to act like I'm well, but my body's not changing. Ask the Father. Spend a little extra time. I mean, wasn't that worth the three days of getting that straight with God, having some extra conversations with Him that enabled me to make one little adjustment, one little adjustment that opened up a flow, God to be able to get the devil's hands off our church finances and to bring a whole new flow of finances in that we'd never experienced before. Wasn't that worth it? Are you getting this tonight? Are you walking in love? Are you walking in love? Are you walking in love? I'm going to make a quote, uh, something from Brother Hagin, and I'm about to maybe let you go here. But um, listen to this statement from Brother Hagin. He spent... 60-something years in the ministry, most of it in the faith and healing side of ministry to the body of Christ. Other things, too. Listen to what he said. <clears throat> Only a small percentage of people will receive their healing who only go to one meeting, never get into the Word for themselves, and don't make any personal changes. Now, he's... 
he's uttered there after all those years of ministry experience some nuggets. He said the percentage of people that are going to come into a prayer line and have their hands laid on them, only a small percentage of Christians will be healed long term like that. They don't get into the Word for themselves. What are they wanting? They want the minister to do it all for them. They, they, they don't put themselves around the healing message. And they don't make any personal adjustments in their life. I thought that was so profound. This is a key to being healed. Are you making changes? When was the last time you made a substantive change by, because of something you read in the Word? Or something you heard me preach? See, I'm giving us, the Holy Ghost would use something. Most, in most services, you ought to leave with something. The Holy Ghost would say, you, you need to work on that. But think about, judge yourself. When was the last time you actually left and made a real, substantive change in your life based on something you read in the Word or received in service? And if you can't list some stuff you're working on, you need to make an adjustment. Because you know how you drive a car successfully? You don't just say, put it at point three degrees and leave it there. No, you're, you're constantly, and the way you're going to stay in divine healing and stay in the flow of blessing and keep the doors shut to the devil, because it's so easy, isn't it? To fly off the handle. It's so easy to disobey God, drift out of the will of God, all kinds of things. We could open up the door to the devil. I'm just talking about one, walking in love. It's huge, though. But if you'll just constantly be making those adjustments, wouldn't it be worth keeping the devil out of your business and out of your children and out of your mind and out of your family and out of your body? Amen. Certainly would. Amen. It certainly would. Amen? We have to make a conscious commitment every day to walk in love. Walk in not, not selfish human love, but God's love, divine love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You have this love on the inside. I don't have time tonight. I'm about to let you go. But 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Amplified. You know, you need to, it, it shows you what the love of God looks like, how it talks, how it acts, what it does, what it doesn't do. Amen. And you've got to practice the love of God. Amen. And in your home, it's paramount that you walk in love. Because that's where we're most likely to let our guard down and just get in the flesh. Yeah. Is at home. Right? You come to church, you, man, you look priestly when you come to church. Bless God. Hallelujah. Right? But it's amazing. The further people, Christians, get away from the pulpit, the more fleshly they get. Bathrooms, lobby, hallway, outside. Do you don't think I know? Personality issues in the church, people picking at each other, people irritated in the church, people offended in the church. I mean, we, we're people, we're human. But you better watch it. You want to walk in love. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Were you, were you helped at all?